0: All right. Good morning. Good morning. Man. I should I should warn moms up front. You, you guys, you guys are gonna be my guinea pigs today. So, and if you sit in the front row, sucks to be you. <laughs> All right. So, Mike. I talked to Mike and like you said, dad's doing come kind of come through the the zone and apparently he'll be flying out long trip about one o'clock, two o'clock this afternoon, get home tonight, drive from Omaha home. So as you guys are praying for those guys, um, but I called him last night. I think I kind of got the time jacked up. How many hours is Boston ahead? Just one. That wasn't too bad. I called him at 10. But you know, Mike, he's not a night owl, so he he only answered the phone because he told me I could call him anytime, time. <laughs> and I wasn't thinking about it. So, Mike, I got a question. He said, oh, yeah, Jay, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Did I get you at a bad time? No, no, no. Liar, liar. <laughs> I didn't know pastors lied, man. They lied. <laughs> Flat out lied to me. So I was trying to figure out how to teach this, and I actually sort of want to try to teach the whole, the whole chapter, which that's, so you have an outline that has, that's not 11 points, don't panic. We're not going to be here till 2 o'clock. It's just, there's things I want, I want to say to you, and last night I was bouncing all over the place, so then if I put it in a row, then I, then, then you guys can follow me, so. I want to, Start out um, creating some context. So, hope has forever changed my understanding of chapter thirteen, and and I'll get to that. Um, But chapter thirteen to me is no longer a prescription, but it's a description, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. And chapter twelve then. It's been used to spend a lot of time to teach the gifts, but as I study the text, that's not really what Paul was really going after. There seemed to be sort of a kind of understanding that um, um, Christians in a church fellowship were empowered by God to do things that they weren't empowered to do before they became part of the body. And and God, and in the, Mike's talked about it, and Mark's talked about it, and I've talked about it, but the Corinthian church was an interesting place. I mean, it's much like San Francisco or New Orleans, probably more like New Orleans, in that there's all this sort of religious craziness going on. Anything you could think of in terms of faith that was being called or you're asked to believe in could happen in. And so... Twelve is really more not so much about um, the gifts, but about the purpose. So what I want to do is kind of tell you two ideas. So as I thought about this, I said, I don't know if I'm going to call this, this spiritual gifts. And so the title today is We Reflect Our Coach. And I want to start out with the story and hopefully you'll see how this started. So I have about. 14 seniors graduating that played for me, um, for three years. I had them from seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. And then the way it works on the team that I coach in the summer is that once they sort of hit ninth, eighth and ninth grade, then they, they, um, start to travel in very competitive tournaments. But so the coaches can travel together, um, I get the little girls and those girls are no longer little girls. They move up. But this was the team that I, one of my favorite teams. And we started out ninth grade in a bit of a problem because we had about 12 or 11 girls didn't know who was going to play with who and um, there was some girl controversy. Now, this isn't a stereotype. It's just, it happens on boys teams too. There's just this controversy. and Who's the innies and who's the outies and I started the practice out for two practices we didn't pick up basketball because I just said to these ladies look here's the deal um, if you're going to play for me here's what you got to understand everybody's going to play and we're a team and everybody's on this team we don't kick people off everybody's going to get in the game I don't sit people down I don't take ten girls with me and four of them sit never play That's just that seems stupid to me so um, you're going to play but we got to play as a team. And, re- and re- what's going on right now is not a team. We had a couple kids who weren't liked and blah, blah, blah. So we just sat in the, in the zone for two practices, which means two hours, two Sundays, my team didn't practice. They were with me. And my frame to them was we're a team. We play together. And what I want you to figure out is everybody's supposed to be on this team. But you also have to play for each other, and you don't have to like each other. You don't have to be best home girls, but you you got to respect each other on the on the floor so t- two Sundays later, the girls decided they're ready to play. We got to the summer and and i you know I have ten girls I have five girls that are six foot or better i mean i just have and I have three really stellar guards. And we just got our butts handed to us all summer. Just, it was just bad. Couldn't figure it out. We would play, get to a place, we'd be up by 15, lose the game. You know, be down by 15, miss a shot and lose the game. And uh, and it turned once we were playing in Harrisburg and we were down 10, caught up. Last second play, I called some crazy play. They didn't do what I asked them to do. They did their own thing, luckily. And this girl, this girl takes it to the hole, gets hit, hits two free throws, we win the game. And you can see that turned the corner. And we started kind of winning some games, but not tournaments. And so at the end of the summer, my best friend is a guy named Rob. used to come here, speaks big 6'5", black dude built like this. And he's, uh, he runs the bus. He's the assistant director of the, uh, Sioux Falls bus, buses, public buses. And he said, what you, you guys going to the national tournament in Minneapolis? I said, yeah. He said, you don't sound so good. I says, dude, if we win one game, I'll be good. Like it'll be a good tournament. And here's what happened. I didn't find this out till in, during the tournament. That those girls started to let me know that all summer, I wasn't the only voice in their head. And I could see, you know, the, the way the tournament was set up, the, the fans weren't behind me or close to me. They were way across the court. And that little dis, dis, distance was the difference. Because those girls, it was me and them against the world. And because of the way it was arranged, those girls didn't have competing voices during the tournament. So my friend Rob calls me up about two days in the tournament. He says, how you doing, man? I said, dude, I do I have no idea which team showed up for this tournament. He said, why are you say that? I said, dude, we're two and one against crazy good competition and we're about to play the number one team in the, in our pool and they're three and all. But if we beat them, we're both, we'll, we'll both be three and one. So he said, what you think? I said, we ain't beating them girls, man. <laughs> I'm just happy we got two wins. So we get to this game. And these girls scratch it out, scratch it out. And we finished the pool three and one. So what happened? We beat those girls. Now, the game was ugly. It was 24 to 28. Can you imagine that? It was ugly, (laughs) ugly. Nobody could hit a shot. But my girls just outplayed, just outgritted these girls. It's a team. And that was the first time that tournament where those girls played like a team. Now, I tell you that because – I titled this, We Reflect Our Coach, and the title verse, the verse that I want to take a look at, just remember I'm teaching the whole thing, but the key verse is there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of services, but the same Lord, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Okay, So, This passage is broken up, and what I want to try to do is build a case for two things. You are on a great team called the church. You're on a great team. And believe it or not, it's actually unstoppable. You're on a great team. I'm going to talk about the team. The second idea I want you to think about is you play for a great coach, God the Father. And I want to compare and contrast. Here's what's not going to happen because of the coach. There's not going to be a Penn State thing. You don't have to worry about getting touched or handled inappropriately. You're not going to get streamed at or put down for poor performance. You're not going to get kicked off the team because you're a knucklehead like I am. Okay. Um, and you're not going to be given the best seat in the house because you're one of the best or the most talented players on the team. You play for a great coach and you happen to be on an unstoppable team called the church. So let's take a look at that. So in the first couple verses, (coughs) Paul's writing to a church that scrambled. And I'm going to read to you sort of like after I study blah, 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 then I sort of I typically study the NIV and then I study all kinds of v- versions and I look at the Greek and Hebrew and, and then I try to say, okay, what's this saying? And, and typically the message is where I land. Cause he, he says it usually well. Um, so he says, remember how you were when you didn't know God and let, and let one, uh, phony. And what the Greek there is, is, uh, voiceless, or mute God, and you follow one mute God after another, never knowing what you were doing, just following it or just doing it because everybody else did. God wants us to use our intelligence to seek to understand as well as we can. So what I'm thinking about is this, right? This is my cheat sheet, Tammy. This is my cheat sheet. All right. Only there's no sketches on this one, so you don't get it, okay? I want to ask you a question. What were you like before the Lord blessed you with grace? What were you like? I want you to think about that. Not that all of us have changed that drastically now. I've been a Christian since 1980. I'm telling you I'm still a work in progress, okay? But what were you like before? I know distinctively what I was like. One of the things that I was like before was I couldn't stand up here and talk to you because I didn't really talk English. Every other word was sandwiched with, well, I can't, <laughs> say, I can't, can't say it here. <laughs> it would be bad. But I, I kind of liked to cuss, and I kind of thought that was how people talk, Right. And I had a couple favorites. I won't tell you what they are, but we had a contest once to see how many times I could put my favorite in a sentence, how many times I could get it in a sentence. I'm not proud of that, but it was funny at the time. That's how bad it was. I I mean, um, and my attitude was different. My attitude was, was, you know, I'm sensitive to race and stuff, but I I don't pay as much attention to, to it. But before I became a believer, there was folks that I hated just because of their skin color. Just be honest with you. and I was terrified of them. I was terrified of If I wasn't in a group where it was brown and black, I was not comfortable. I didn't know how to operate. Um, if I was around people who were upper or middle class like or upper class, I wasn't comfortable. If you didn't come from the hood, I didn't want nothing to do with you. And that wasn't, that was my frame. I really didn't have a capacity to appreciate God's church and in the, in the, in the different tones of the church. What were you like? I can't, I can't believe I'm the worst in this room. What were you like? And don't think about it in terms of just your external. Cause some of you would look nice. <laughs> Smile, perfumed up, and blah, blah, blah. But if I got a had to hook the microphone inside your head, you wouldn't want, you wouldn't you wouldn't want me to put it on audio, would you, on the speakers? Right? Cause of the way, you know? And, and some of you w- weren't good because you came from places where you were beat up and, and you weren't good. You weren't better than, you were worse than. And, and this passage is talking about, what were you like? God wants you to to be smart about the game of life. God wants you to be smart about this game called life. And what he says is this, in in verses 5, 6, and 7, he talks about these gifts. And what he says is, whether it's ministries, which is translated gifts, or workings, which is translated service, the source is the same the source is the same he's talking to these folks who are getting mixed up about where they got their stuff from, and what paul's trying to say is it doesn 't matter what your passion or your ministry is what is what are you called to do what what are you what what are you called to do and then what's your act of kindness that we talk about Serving in love. What's your service? What do you do? You know, I, I'm called and have been called to be a leader of some sorts, a manager. And my act of service is compassion and encouragement. That's my act. That's, that's what I do best. What do you do? Doesn't matter. All of us get this, all the, I look in this room where I see some, you know, I see some people that look friendly, and I see some people I really wouldn't want to meet in the alleyway. And I see some people that look like they came from the same place I came from or the same economic status. I see some people above. And what I see in in my mind, though, is brothers and sisters or teammates on the same team. And he's saying, and he lays out the ministries, and he lays out. the the workings or the service. But what I think he wants you to understand is the gifts and the services that we've been given are focused. Those gifts are focused passions and concerns. And the service that you've been given is how God expresses himself through you in action. Right? Whether you're faithful or do miracles or whether you encourage or whether you are are uh, uh, discerning the ministry or the passion he gives you or the concerns. What are you passionate about? Those are wired in by God. And then what do you do? If I watched you every day, how do you express and show people God? That's what he calls service or workings, Right? And so he lists, and there's three different lists, and I don't think this passage was really about that. He wasn't, Paul wasn't arguing about that. But understand, the gifts are what you're passionate about. Your service is actually the power of God given to you to show people who God is. So when they see Travis or Rosia doing what she does, the way in which she does her job, the way in which Travis does his job, the way in which Devin does his thing, is the power of God used to influence other people, to witness to other people about who God is. I was working, I became a Christian in 1980, and I had a Gideon Bible I kept in my right pocket. I only read it when I was on the bus. I only read it on the bus because I, my my sisters would have called me a Jesus freak, which I was not trying to be because I was the worst with Christians before I became a Christian. I was really bad. So I, I didn't want them to think I had become that person, that I, but I had become that person that I was talking trash about. So I kept a little green giddy in my back pocket. and I only read it on the bus. Now, what you got to understand is the bus in Denver is different than the bus in Sioux Falls. I rode the bus all the time. I rode the bus to and from work to and from the gym all the time. So I was always on the bus reading, reading that, reading that, reading that. And I worked and was playing hoops, so I worked two jobs. I worked I worked at five from five to nine, then left that job, rode the bus, went to Woolco, which is like Walmart. And I worked from 10. Now, now this is before the store stayed open all night. And I worked from 10 to 7, they'd lock us in, and we did floors, we cleaned floors, right? I worked at, the first job I worked at a military base in Denver called Lurie Air Force Base, and, and all I did was clean cubicles, vacuum and empty trash. That's all I did. I'd been there for about four weeks, and my manager was walking around one day, and he I'm just running a vacuum. Now, imagine this. I'm just running a vacuum and picking up trash, and, I mean, there's thousands of cubicles. So it's like thousands. I mean, it's like four of these buildings, and you just, that's all you're doing. Change the trash can. This dude comes up to me and says, hey, man, how you like the job? I said, well, I'm going to be here. You guys are paying me pretty good money, and it gives me a chance I can work out in the afternoon and in the morning and then go to work at night. And then he whispers to me, he says, hey, man, you know him, don't you? I'm like, who are you talking about? He said, you're a Christian, ain't you? And I went, oh. my brain, now, remember my brain's just slowly transforming. Now, this is early, three months into the journey. I went, well, I ain't finna tell you I'm a Christian in public. Are you kidding me? No. But I said, well, yeah, man, but. Like I ain't talked to nobody. I haven't said anything to nobody. He said, no, man. I said, how'd you know I was a Christian? He said, I could tell by the way you worked. I'm like, dude, I'm pushing a vacuum cleaner in a trash can. Like you, and nobody's ever here. How can you tell? He said, I could tell, man. I said, well, so how do you know? He said, well, I used to be a Christian. I'm backsliding. I, I, I didn't understand that, how you used to be a Christian. I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. But but he said, I'm backsliding. And I don't understand how you know like proudly I'm backsliding. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, okay. But he said, I can tell by the way you handle your business, man. And I, it didn't make any sense to me because I didn't say anything to anybody. I wasn't saying I would hand out tracks. I wasn't doing anything. I was just pushing a lot more. But your service... Is the power of God expressed to give testimony, not to yourself, but to Him. It makes sense. Okay. So we have to understand that. Okay. And if we understand that, then He goes on to say in verses 12 and 13, He goes on to say that as you come to understand that, also understand that you get your juice or as as, as uh, Paul Peterson says in the message, you're refreshed and sustained by the same fountain. Now, that sounds to me like a song. You're refreshed and sustained by the same fountain. So if all of us are different and diverse and vary in our gifts and our expressions of the beauty of God, but we all get our life. And our juice from the same fountain. And he says that because before, you remember what you were chasing? Anybody remember what they were chasing before they found grace? What what was you going after? I was spinning the basketball, and I told my grandmother in fifth grade, "I'm not staying in this hood, man. You can forget that." So I was doing two things. I was trying to get away from poverty. I was was trying to get away from being black. I was trying to get away from violence and and the life of the hood, and I hated being poor, okay? And I was trying to get away from that, and my solution wasn't Jesus. My solution was a basketball. My solution should have been books, but in spite of people telling me I was smart and intelligent, I didn't believe it, Um. It was weird how it had happened. I got a scholarship to high school because I was a smart student, but I never believed I was a smart student. But I believed I could make it with basketball. And, and, and God my sophomore year stuck a knife in my basketball. I could hear the air coming out of it. I'm like, man, what am I going to do now? Because the coach made a decision my sophomore year that devastated me and it turned out he was a christian and you guys heard the story he's the first coach to ever apologize to me for making a mistake and i asked him the same question that guy asked me said why are you apologizing to me and he said because i believe in the lord i'm supposed to own up i'm a i'm a mentor to you i'm going to show you how to do it right and i also want to show you how to fix it when you're wrong and i'm telling you i made a decision about you in the preseason i was wrong and i'm going to change that decision after we get back from christmas and he did. Okay? So he's the source. And he sustains us. And know this, you... Now, mom, stand up for me. Everybody who's a mom, stand up. All the way back to the back. If you're a mom, stand up. Please. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's too hard to stand up. I got to objector objector up front. Somebody come move her out of the building, Please. <laughs> Okay. Now, if the moms are standing and we are sitting, let's give them some love first. Okay. You don't get to sit down yet. Here's what I want you to understand. It's part of. Is that we, you, were knitted and appointed to the place that you are now, and you are knitted and appointed as a team of moms and grandmas to a bigger version, a bigger vision than just raising your kids. Your job and our job as people and a part of the church is to not only raise our family and our kids, but to inspire them and to encourage them and to influence them in the direction of the kingdom. And not make them kingdom per people, but just to reflect. Your job isn't to choke the kids or choke your husband. Your job is to reflect. And your reflection is where your power is. So to this, this morning, I want to thank you for doing the job you did. And I want to thank you for accepting your appointment. And I want to thank you for playing your part on the team. Amen. Amen. All right, you can sit down. Thank you. And the other thing that he says is that all of us have been appointed and knitted together to be where we're supposed to be, whether we're old and gray or whether we're young and Taylor's age. Well, she's kind of old now. She's going to be a senior next year. <laughs> you know, we're, we're 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 where we're supposed to be. Okay. And the other thing that blew me away is. Paul says in that same verses, the old labels, the old labels are obsolete, right? They're obsolete. And so, and so Jew or Gentile, male or female, rich or poor, black or white, blue-collar, white-collar, all of those distinctions go away. All of those distinctions go away. They're obsolete. They're rendered obsolete because they divide us. They divide us. And what he's saying is instead of looking at the at difference in terms of a divisive way, look at it in a way. Look at it in a way that brings us together. Now we're brothers and sisters of the same faith. Look around. Look behind you. You guys ain't doing what I'm asking. Look around. Look behind you. Look in front of you. Look to the right or the left of you. And a couple of you are sitting in your own row. That's not my fault. That's, that's what you did to yourself. Okay? But what I want you to understand is whether you think they're cute, pretty, ugly, hairy, bald, whatever, they're brothers and sisters in the faith, and they're appointed to be by your side. And they've accepted the appointment. That's why they're sitting here. And some of the brothers and sisters aren't sitting here. A lot of brothers and sisters aren't sitting here. But when you go to places, I used to come to Sioux Falls when I first came to Sioux Falls, I wanted to know how many black folks was here. And that's what everybody asked me in Denver. How many black people in South Dakota? I said, just me. (laughs) They still ask me that question. My cousin said, is there any black folks in South Dakota, man? I said, you know what? I don't think so. I ain't seen nobody, man. You know, they know I'm messing with them. But here's one of the things that happens. And, and the younger generation jacked this up, but it used to be kind of a cool thing. Those of us in the seventies did. So if you seen a brother in the mall, and he's from the same generation I did, we would be looking for each other. So I see, I'd be, I be, oh, my wifey, what you get all excited for? I'm like, There's another brother walking down. the bed. yeah. So he walked by, and we do the thing, like, what up, home? What up? How you doing? And you know, and then you had these young cats come in, and they all ganged out, and so they scared of each other, right? So you do this, and they like. They got attitude with you, you know, but you always know a cat that grew up in the 60s or the 80s or 60s, 70s or 80s. Because when you do this, they do it right back. Oh, yeah. What up, man? Good to see you. You know what I mean? The problem is we don't do that as Christians, man. Right. Because we don't always know. But it should be the same thing. Yo, what up, huh? What up, Christian? bro? My homeboy. Go to church with me, man. You know, the same love should exist same love should he. i see travis i should be like, yo what up, young buck what happening and he should give me the love back you know because we're in the same team you know i watch teams jump up and bump <laughs> chests and stuff like that and christians be you guys even here you can sit in the church seat like i have to jump up and down to get you guys to do something for me right love so let me keep moving right so to moms today, I want you to understand that. I want you to understand. I also want you to understand he's three things. He's gifted you. He's empowered you. And he's placed you in the right place for the intended purpose of reflecting him and glorifying him. That's it. That's it. Remain. You know, a rose doesn't follow you around and say, hey, man, I'm pretty. You come to the Rose but Now if you're fool enough to grab the Rose, you might get some things in your hands. But a Rose is a bush stays there and you come and you oh man, because the fragrance and the color attracts you. AA talks about being a program of attraction. Faith is a program of attraction. Right? You guys are here because you smell something different when you come to Hope. You know, some of you are here because you're Grace fanatics. You know, I'm not going to mention his name, but I know a dude who watches church services and edits them. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. And I'm not going to point out. I'm just not going to look in his direction. <laughs> but I know who he is. He's a grace fanatic. Nuts. About the message, the gospel, and the, and the gospel being taught well. Right? So we're here and we're, we're in the right place and intended. He goes on to say this, too. At the end of that verse, the end of the verse, 14 through eight, 14 and 18, he says this, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I'm going to put it in my... The, the fifth idea is that we need to understand the challenge of coveting. Right? Why do we have gifts? And then he shifts in the second phase and Starts to talk about the body. Why do we need to do that? Why do, I'm like, I always ask the question, why is Paul talking about this now? Why now? And what we need to do is understand the challenge of coveting. We need to understand the challenge of desire. And I'm not calling it evil, which lots of translations put that it's never there. That word is never in front of that word. Desire. Because we all have it. We all want a better spot, a better gift, a bigger or smaller uh, spotlight. And we can we, we cover from different positions. I can cover from being the best looking down, sucks to be you. Or I can cover from the bottom looking up, and I wish I could be like. And God's saying neither of those positions is what he wants. He talks to us about the idea that that the coach doesn't want us to fall into the pitfall of being puffed up. And you can be puffed up negatively or positively. So I have girls on my team. I had a point guard who I think is one of the best point guards I ever coached, and she was very intense and she was puffed up on her intensity. And she was puffed up positively because she had gotten all kinds of strokes about her capacity even when she was in sixth. She was playing varsity as a seventh grader where she went to school. And so she came in, and I had to get her to play for the team. She would take over the game. think she had to do it by herself. And then I had other girls on. I had a kid from Ber- Beersford who at, in seventh grade was already uh, 5'11". And she, in her mind played like she was five two and invisible. And she was puffed up negatively. She thought she was the worst player. And if she had a great game, it was luck. You know, and there was a different kind of arrogance and comparison that happens. And the root of that is judgment. And that's what he says. Don't want you to be puffed up and full of judgment. So the part of the message is to teach us what's the solution. And if I'm not to be puffed up and full of judgment, and I'm not looking at Terry saying, dang, man, I, I wish I was, you know, he, his family comes to church with him and stuff. And I'm not, my wife didn't even come this morning, man. I mean, I wish I was him. You know, what's the solution? He has a different set of gifts than I do. And what was going on in the Corinthian church, people were poking around. And the the co- most controversial gift that Paul's trying to address is the expression of tongues. People were saying, I've talked to God, blah, 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 blah. And nobody understood what was going on. And there was no one there to interpret that, that, that tongue or that language that was being spoke. And it was disorderly. And and certain gifts were, and, well, I'm a, pro- I'm a prophet I'm walking around and you guys suck, you know, and well, I'm a teacher. And and, and and you need me because you don't know much. You know, we're doing that kind of thing. And and, and then the problem is there's some upfront gifts and there's some behind the scene gifts. And how many of you know, those of you who have behind the scene gifts, how many of you never want to be up here? How many, raise your hand, how many would never stand up here even if I paid you? Right? You behind the scenes, I don't want the spotlight. But some of you behind the scenes want to be way behind the scenes. Like what, yo, 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 hide me. I don't do nothing. I suck. Nobody sees me. That's not what God's talking about. What's the solution? He says this. Give dignity and honor. Both to yourself and to others. And do away with judgment. So I look at Terry, and I see his wife's here, and his sons here, and his daughter-in-laws here. And I should think to t- t- by myself and say, you know what my wife is? You know what my wife's doing this morning? She's supporting my daughter, who's coaching her last tournament at the Pentagon, and it's Mother's Day. And she told me she could do whatever she wants on Mother's Day. And I said, <laughs> and I said. I said, so be it. Go do your thing. I'll, I'll catch up with you after church. She said to me this morning, knock him out, Jay, but I won't be there. I'm going to be watching volleyball. I said, fine. Tell Tammy she can come join me if she wants, but I, I ain't coming to church. You know. And I, and I, I got to understand that the Father honors and dignifies me. So that needs to be as I'm working. My reflection to you, to Jay. We we had the same. I don't I don't even know if his real name is Jay, because people call me Jay, and that's not my real name either. But but we had the same name, and I, I kind of like his style. You know, I mean, I think the dude got some flair, right? <laughs> so I be copying him. Like I cuff my pants like Jay. You know, because I think that dude, that's tight, man. I see him. Maybe he sees some things I do, and he's like, yo, that's cool, too. But I don't think so. But I'm just flat out telling you. I covered that right there, man. So I'm like, yo, what you got on today, man? I, I can't I can't do the plaid stuff, man, because the lines come down and then do this, and then that ain't going to work, man. That ain't going to work. Right? But I'm going to honor and give him dignity and honor, not because I can do that, but because it's been done for me, right? And I'm going to work hard to suspend judgment. Here's what I want to tell you about judgment. Judgment is wired in, y'all. You cannot do it. Try not to. Try to go someplace and just, I'm not going to categorize it. I'm not going to label it. I'm not going to name it. You can't do it. You can't do it. Okay? And, and, so he's, he's not asking you to do something you, that's impossible. He's just asking you your focus, where, your focus, can you shift your focus? Can you remain? And, and it doesn't happen unless I understand that I've received dignity and honor from the Father. Then I can't, it, it's more difficult for me to suspend judgment. So judgment happens, but when judgment happens, now there are times I have the capacity just to let my the judgment just floats through the water of my brain. I don't give it any weight. I'm standing in a line. I'm standing in a sermon or a workshop, and this crazy lady asks me because I'm just like you. If I'm not, if I'm not up front, I'm in the back row. Don't want nobody to talk to me. Okay. So I'm standing, at, sitting at this table which by myself, and this, this white cat with the ponytail comes and sits by me. Doesn't look like Mark, but he reminds me of Mark. He was a littler guy. So Leigh asks us to put our backs to each other, and then she rings this gong, and we got to turn to each other and say some things. right? So I got my back to him. The gong turns, and I turn, and I see he's all tatted up. The problem is all his tats are Aryan nation tats. Right? So, I turn, I look at him, and I wasn't even thinking, cause my brain went to judgments. So I seen the tats, I went, backed up. And he knew, and he knew why I was backing up. And he just looked at me and said, yeah brother. He said, yeah brother, there was a time me and you couldn't stand back to back. And that, conversation went deep quick because of his comment to me. First of all, why would he have been at the conference I was in if he didn't have the same spirit? And and he wouldn't have been at the same conference. We were talking about reclaiming youth at risk, and he was a youth at risk. And his, his dance was, you know, cut all his hair off and hate black people and hate, 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 hate. And God changed. It. He said, yeah, brother, there would have been a time we can't stand back to back. But because of my relationship with God, everything's changed. And I knew I could trust this, dude, Right. So he's asking us to do that. And, and lastly, what he's saying to you is this. Why use the body metaphor? And here's what I'll tell you in keeping it short. Is that he wants us to understand that being on the team, the best team in the world, requires interdependence. Requires that I trust people who don't look like me, don't talk like me, don't act like me, because they've been empowered by the same God to be in the same fight, to be on the same court as I am. And that they're interdependent. If they don't do their piece, it affects me. If they do do their piece, I get the blessing. And if they don't do their piece or they get hurt, I get the curse. I found that out in September. The body. I didn't realize the systems. I, I do not understand it, but when it comes home, so I'm, I go to my doctor. He does do my physical he comes back and he says, Jay, I got some concerns about your kidneys. I'm like, what the? What? I already got asthma, high blood pressure. What are you talking about? He said, well, your numbers aren't good, so I want you to do what you're going to do. Come back in two weeks. We'll test it again. So I go back, get tested. My numbers are worse. I'm like, oh, dude, this ain't good, man. Like, this is not good. Then he Then he says this. I want you to go see a specialist. Now, do you have any idea what that does to people? Like, I'm like, what? Wait a minute. Can't we, like, do some aspirin or something? <laughs> no, I want you to go see a nephrotologist. I couldn't even say it when I first seen it. I'm like, you want me to go see a kidney doctor? Oh, this ain't good. I'm about to die. See, my brain goes from from zero to ten in, like, 30 seconds. Oh, man, I'm going to be on dialysis. They're going to be saying goodbye to me. And so I go to the doc, and he does some blood tests, and, and my number's already up. Because as soon as that doc said that, I changed some things. First thing I changed was I, I, I never drank water. And I, well, I won't say what was happening, but just put it this way, I was visiting the restroom on a regular basis about, four, about 10 or 18 times a day. Because I was drinking water, I was drinking water, drinking water, drinking water, drinking water, drinking water, and then, and then I started doing some research. And here's what's interesting. Now, some of you may know this, but I didn't know this. Did you know that high blood pressure and kidney functioning goes together? See now, do that again. Shake your heads if you see. How come I didn't know that? I didn't get the memo then. So I go in to see, and I'm doing the lab with the lady doing the ultrasound. She says, so you got high blood pressure. Did the doctor gave you the high blood pressure medicine tell you that if your high blood pressure isn't under state, well, it'll, it affects your kidneys, and if your kidneys are jacked up, it jacks up your high, it, it pushes your high blood pressure. I'm like, what? Right, and then I found out, you know, that for years I didn't sleep. And did you know sleep apnea also affects all those three things, too? Like, I'm like, wait a minute. These all connected. So it's the same thing. If Randy doesn't do his job or he gets hurt and he's in our, on our team, I experience it, whether I want to or not. And if I do my job, he can do his. And you know, we got to stay in our lane because the, the the body, the gifts and the variety that he's given us are meant to work together like a net. And, and the, and the catch is that the net is attractive if everybody's doing their thing and the net is broad so it reaches in different areas. I can't go where Randy goes. I don't have influence where he has. Me and him are managers. We, yeah. we, we have conversations and he's noisy and I'm not, but we think the same. Okay. But where he manages, I couldn't manage, and he couldn't manage where I manage. I mean, he definitely couldn't manage where I manage. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing you. Right? <laughs> yeah, you can manage me. <laughs> but I, I got love for you, brother. <laughs> After I get the knife out of my bag, like, oh, yeah, that's just what Randy does. <laughs> it wouldn't be in my back either. It would be in my head, my forehead. <laughs> Stupid. Poo. <laughs> right? So hopefully I painted a case for we play on a great team. Now, I'm going to end with this. I want you to understand we play for a great coach. So if you take your inserts, now that's the one thing I don't have. So let me see one of of those inserts. If you take your inserts, turn it over. I did a mic. I don't usually do this. Well, I'm gonna take the section, I'm gonna introduce you to the coach. Okay? I want to introduce you to the father. And this is straight from Corinthians 13, which my friend Mark preached on. But, but I've never had, heard anybody read it like this. So, I want you to think about the coach, the father. Here's what he, here's who he is, y'all. The father never gives up. The father cares more for others than for himself. The father doesn't want what it doesn't have. The father doesn't strut. He doesn't have a swelled head. He doesn't force himself on others and isn't always me first. He doesn't fly off the handle. He doesn't keep score of the sins of others. He doesn't revel when others grovel. He takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, he puts up with anything, trust always, always looks for the best, never looks back, and keeps going to the end. Now, let me, I got one question before we finish. Could you play for him? Could you play for him, that coach? And how many of you, this is, now I've read this to people and they've said, who are you talking about? Because when you say, God, this isn't what comes up. And that's why I'm saying to you, 1 Corinthians 13 is not prescriptive. I've been asked, because I'm licensed to to marry, to use this verse for your marriage. I don't. I will never read it to a husband and wife and, and say, do this for your husband, do this for your wife. This is not. This job description is too big. Nobody in this room can do this. Nobody. Can do this. There's only one person that can do this. And and he's saying to you, I never give up. I care more for you. I w I don't stride. I don't have a swelled head. I won't force myself on you. I don't fly off the handle. I'm not keeping score. I don't revel just because you lay on your head and say, Please God, please God, please God. Doesn't make me feel great. I take pleasure in telling the truth. I put up with anything my children do because they're my kids. I trust. I have faith in you. I believe in you. I look for the best. I don't look back. I stay in the now. And I'm going to stay with you till the end. Could you play for that guy? Yep. Amen. Worship team, come up. Dear Father, we just want to say thank you for being our coach. But we also want to say thank you for including us and appointing us to this team. May we show one another the dignity and honor that you show us. May we be able to suspend judgment. And may we remember the kind of coach we play for. It is for you that we do these things. And it's for your purposes that we that we proceed forward. And we are thankful. And these things we pray. Amen.